Welcome to Bitcoin Fixes This, where we explore the impact that Bitcoin will have in all aspects of society. Today's guest is Lamar Wilson, coder, entrepreneur, and the creator of Black Bitcoin Billionaires on Clubhouse. We talk about diversity, how the Bitcoin community has changed, and why he's so passionate about helping his community. Lamar also tells us about the spiritual side of community and figuring out good ways to move forward in this new world together. All right, Lamar Wilson, how's everything going, man? <laughs> going great, going great, man. I love, I love uh, always having an opportunity to talk with you, brother. Yeah, I mean, we 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 go uh, quite a ways back, but uh, why don't you tell our audience where you're from and stuff? Yeah, man. I'm. Uh, my name is Lamar Wilson. I am from the most beautiful city in the world, Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> I am. A, I am a. Uh, I am a great, 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 great. Um, follower of Jimmy song. Uh, he's, he's the dude. And, uh, I've, I've been, I've had the pleasure of actually helping him, um, TA and teach some of his classes in the past. And it's always been amazing. So yeah, what's yeah, up? But yeah I mean, you're talking about me, but we, we really, this, this, this show is about you, right? Like, so tell me, tell me what's up, man. Like, uh, you're, you're in Kentucky. What are you doing there? What, 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 what's your history? What's, what's your background? Yeah, man. So I'm in Kentucky. I've been an entrepreneur almost my entire adult life. Um, I've done a lot of different things. I own real estate, uh, own some Cold Stone Creameries. Um, and then I taught myself how to program, which led me to build like Facebook, MySpace applications, and then go ahead and make uh, building uh, enterprise applications. And then that led me um, and me building like just start doing startup stuff. You know what I mean? Like being a software developer, trying startup stuff, which led me to Bitcoin. Because when I was raising money, uh, trying to raise money for my uh, game startup that I had, my gaming startup I had, uh, one of the investors said, hey, have you heard of Bitcoin? And I thought he said Bitcoin, B-I-G coin, but he said Bitcoin. And uh, and that's it, it pretty much is what that was a seed that was planted that wound up growing into the person that I am today. <laughs> nice, nice. So you you've been in Bitcoin for quite a while, um, and you know it, it's uh, you know we we met back in what 2014 it was at a Bitcoin conference yep. and everything else, and I, I remember that project that you did because it was like, like I, I can't believe you figured it out, but you you had like the only iOS Bitcoin wallet. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story and what the heck happened there? Yeah, man, I remember. Um... So there was an issue with uh, Apple kicking all of the uh, Bitcoin wallets out of the iOS store. And so we had built this wallet. Um, once I learned about Bitcoin, I had to build something um, because, you know, there's no greater marriage of two disciplines that I, I have a finance degree and I'm a software developer by trade. So I had to build something. So we built this wallet. And when they kicked everything, when they kicked everyone out of the system, um, what we said was there's another way for us to distribute an iOS wallet that most people don't know of. And uh, that's by basically using the enterprise license. Because, again, go back, go back into me actually understanding uh, creating enterprise applications for other businesses. It's like when you understood that there was an enterprise license, what we did was we created a co-op so that everybody who bought the wallet or who downloaded the wallet, excuse me, there was no payment, but who downloaded the wallet was also a member of the cooperative. And we talked to Apple and everything was good. Um, and the crazy thing is the very first article we got, uh, from CoinDesk, it was basically like, these guys are scammers. They're going to get closed down. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I, that word scammer gets thrown around a whole lot. Um, but what, what's crazy is that as we continue to move on, 
uh, they started realizing we weren't scammers and we actually just outthought most of the people in the space because we thought about it in a different light by saying, hey, we're going to work together. We're going to create a cooperative and that cooperative is going to allow us to have um, this Bitcoin wallet. And we call it the um, the cycle of goodness or <laughs> or uh, COG, the COG co-op. Yeah, yeah. And there's like nothing more Bitcoin than what you did, right? Like you found the way around like the corporate gatekeepers and figured out a way to get all the uh, this wallet into the hands of a lot of people. And that literally was for a while the only Bitcoin wallet that you can download on iOS. That that to me was like absolutely astounding. Yeah, man, I think we, we call it hood rigging, right? Like <laughs> we figured out a way to do it. Most people would look down on like hood rigging, but when you don't have a lot, uh, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. When you don't have a lot, you start thinking a little bit differently. And that's why I always feel like we need to have as many diverse thoughts in this space as possible, because the way people think is completely different from one another. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's funny. I'm going to tell you this quick story, Jimmy, about when we was in Dallas. We were walking in Dallas and uh, we was walking with a, gr a big group of people going to get tacos. And the first group of people were walking under these uh these electric lines and all of these birds were pooping on their heads pretty much. So mm. like two or three of the people in front of us got pooped on. But when I walked, because I'm used to those like black birds, like being everywhere, I started clapping and they all flew away and everybody was like, is that all you supposed to do? I was like, yeah, you don't walk under birds, like, <laughs> a, like a huge group of birds. And it was just like that. And I told them, I said, that's why you need people from everywhere around all the time because people, people have experiences that allow them to think of think about things in a different light and those experiences help you to solve problems and so everybody started clapping and we ne we didn't have another bird over our head the rest of the way to the taco shop so i think it's a very a very very big lesson that we all need to learn is that we need to listen to all types of perspectives and try to understand the world you know through other eyes sometimes yeah, and and that's a really good topic right cuz uh, cuz cuz you know like when when i got into bitcoin and i went to that conference like you and Leif, I think, uh, your business partner, like you, you guys were like the only black guys there and me like, you know, I mean, there, there were a couple Asians there, but, but yeah, I, I, I felt like I connected with you almost immediately because like, okay, we're clearly in the minority here and there's a bunch of other people. Um, talk to me about the importance of diversity and how this community has changed over the last seven years. Oh my gosh. Great question, Jimmy. Um, I, again, the importance goes back to what I, that little small lesson I talked mm -hmm. about with the purge. But at the same time, it's very important um, just because if we want to have the world money and we want people to to benefit from it, especially that's always been my mission is that I want the everyday person to be able to out outrun or to front run, I would say, the billionaires and the millionaires that, you know, they sit in their ivory towers sometimes and they look down on us like, ha ha ha, we have all the cash. But mm -hmm. they're sitting on they're sitting on the on the Titanic, right? They're on the top floor of the Titanic and don't realize that the sink is shipping. I mean, the the sink is shipping. The seat the ship is sinking. Listen to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think it's very important that we have it. But it's, it it has changed dramatically, Jimmy. And I think um it it takes intention. Like you have to have you have to be intentional about like access. And that's all it really ever is. Everyone's like, well, we don't need like a black Bitcoin billionaires and we don't need, what if I made a white Bitcoin billionaires? And my whole thing, our first day is why are you focusing on black? Uh, the fact that you're not a billionaire is going to keep you out of the club. Um, but, <laughs> but the second <laughs> <laughs> but the second thing I always say is, is that it doesn't matter because it's really just about focus, right? It's about marketing. It's about focus and realizing which areas don't have uh, 
someone screaming out and like it's again we use that, that analogy of the titanic um like so, there are different levels in the titanic and if no one goes to those levels and screams hey this the uh ship is sinking then those people will just be in their bed sleep right mm -hmm. and so what i said is i'm gonna go to the community that i've grown up in and around black folk and make sure I scream it real loud. And hopefully everybody hears it. I don't care if you white, black, green, red, yellow, purple, pink. It doesn't matter mm. to me. Mm. I'm just going to yell it to the rooftops that the ship is sinking. And hopefully we can help guide more and more people to the lifeboat that is Bitcoin in this financial world. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I, obviously the, the world was very different in 2014, uh, you know, when, when we met and, uh, you know, that that conference obviously was a very different affair than like uh, the, the stuff that's happening today. Um, like and, you know, you, you've obviously like created this community with the black Bitcoin billionaires and everything else. How has, uh, you know, Bitcoin been taken up uh, in, in, in this sort of like very diverse way? Because. Obviously, when it started, it, it was a very different thing, right? Like uh, back in 2011, 2012, 2013, you know, like it, it had a very different reputation than it does today. It, it seems, uh, you know, what what what's changed? Like what what what's uh, you know, like is it better marketing? What what's going on? How how come you know more minorities are uh, you know taking positions in Bitcoin and so on? I think it's uh, to be honest, I truthfully think it's time and intentionality. Mm -hmm. um, even before I started the Black Bitcoin Billionaires, we had a group of 26,000 people called uh, Coinda on Facebook. And I remember you interviewed with me there. I, I brought <laughs> you in. Right. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I've also uh, interviewed you for the Black Blockchain Summit. Right. Yeah. So like having these types of events has definitely educated a populace that sometimes gets left behind. And then at the same time, the cool part about it is, is that as that's gone on, I think uh, many black people, many uh, people who are disadvantaged have realized that this is an asset that they have access to without too many barriers for entry. Mm. And that hasn't really happened in this country, especially for especially for black people. Right. Like there's mm. no there aren't too many um, there aren't too many assets that black people have had this easy of an access to. And that's the reason why they're uh, that black people. And, and I think it's like black and Latino people are picking it up at higher percentages than their counterparts. Right. Mm. And I think that's why, because it's just way easier to, to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't need anyone's permission. That's kind of the big thing about Bitcoin is that you literally can't stop people from adopting it, even if you wanted to. Sorry. No, that's right. No, that's right. That's definitely right. Yeah, I was trying to tweet it out. So <laughs> another screen. <laughs> You're tweeting out this uh, this this live recording thing, um, which I appreciate, obviously. Um, all right. So the the thing that uh, that that is interesting to me about uh, about all of this sort of like bottom up um, sort of change that that we've seen, um, like. It, it, it's very interesting to me because early on, I think uh, the way we perceive Bitcoin was that, okay, well, it, it's not so much that it, it's the power of the masses. It, it's more about self-sovereignty and making sure that we take control back from the state. But it, it's sort of evolved into this thing where, um, you know, it, it's a, it, we, we have like this very large community. Right. Like and, and it's very diverse and there, there's people of all stripes that are in it now. Um, 
that that C shift uh, in mentality, right? Like, um, I guess it's always been about self sovereignty, but it, it seems to have uh, significantly uh, become much more of a grassroots effort than it was before. Like, uh, you know, 2013, 2014, it was all led by these like VCs that were like just preaching Bitcoin uh, to, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs like you. Um, and instead, now it's like getting out to the masses, it's much more of a bottom up movement. Like, uh, how, how do you think that changes, I guess, uh, change occurred? And then how do you see that happening forward, going forward? Yeah. Man, I think it changed, the change occurred because um, the Titanic hit the iceberg. Man. <laughs> and, and, all the, and all the rich people, like I said, are at the top and they don't even realize there's a leak. And so the people who are really feeling it the most, the people in Nigeria, the people in uh, Zimbabwe, the people in Argentina and Turkey, right? Those people that are feeling it the most are the ones saying, hey, man, we need to get out of here because we know there's a leak. We, we have been dealing with this crazy inflation in our country for many years, and we know we need to get out of this situation and off of this ship called fiat currency. So I think what happens is, is that Bitcoin, because of its properties, tends to... Um, attract people that are really <laughs> in the line of fire the most. Right. And I think here in the United States, I think we do more speculating on it because we just haven't hit it that hard, right? But mm -hmm. we're seeing some inflation numbers that we haven't seen in, what did they say, 30 years? Like 6.2% inflation, which people are talking about that number. But I think what's going to happen is people will, cont will continue to start realizing, hey, there is, there is a um, leak in this building and we need to move. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I think mm -hmm. That, that's what's going to change everything. And I think the diversity of the people in the space and everyone who is talking about it, I love talking to people from all over the world. Um, we always have people from everywhere in our rooms. We, I remember one room we had a guy from El Salvador, Nigeria, Iran, all at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And they all had very, very uh, specific reasons why they liked uh, Bitcoin and why Bitcoin was important to them. And of course, it's far different than the person who's in the United States betting on some doggy coin, some baby dog coin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's a completely different thing. Like for those people, it kind of changes their life. Right. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, and to be honest, I think Bitcoin will change anyone's life who gets it. But some people just don't see it because they're too high up on the Titanic in their nice lofty, uh, <laughs> nice lofty room, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, and that's something that messes up a lot of like VCs, right? Like, or like a lot of hedge fund managers and people that are up there. Because generally, by the time retail gets into something, it's usually too late, or that that's their instinct, or that's what they've been seeing all of their life. And then all of a sudden, they see this thing, and it's all led by retail. It's all bottom up, right? It, it's it's uh, people in marginalized places that are getting into it first instead of last. Um, and that, that's sort of the dynamic that you're describing with, uh, with the Titanic and the people at the top and stuff. Um, how, how do you think that like will induce social change going forward? Like is Bitcoin sort of like, does it fix some of these uh, societal ills around diversity that we see? Oh man, that's a heck of a question, Jimmy. <laughs> but... You one, signed up for this. I, I'm just reminding you. Right? <laughs> That's a really good question. But the one thing that I recognize about revolutions is that they actually revolve. And what I mean is they tend to come back around. Mm -hmm. And 
And until people, and, and I, I don't want to get too philosophical on it, but I get too spiritual, really. It's like until people change their hearts and understand what love is, it doesn't matter what the money is, right? Because people, you know what I mean? That's the part. It might change who has the money, but until their hearts are right, what tends to happen in revolutions is the people become what they were revolting against. Mm -hmm. And then we've seen that time and time and time again. It, it's a full circle, right? It, it, there needs to be an actual change in the hearts of people and to understand and get empathy and all of these other things that have nothing to do with money, right? And that's the part that I think um, needs to change if we really get into it. And I didn't want to get too spiritual, but that's really how I believe. I'm, I've seen it. I've seen you change the hands of the money and it doesn't matter because it's the same, you know who you know is a prime example. The police, many many police officers were bullied. Like mm -hmm. I know these guys, right? These are mm -hmm. people that were bullied in school, and then when they get a badge on, now all of a sudden they become a bully, as if they forgot what it felt like to be bullied. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing will happen until we we got other we have other issues that we have to solve. Um, but the but Bitcoin does solve who has the money, and hopefully. Those that money, when it's in the hands of different people, hopefully those people do have more empathy. Hopefully those people do care more for one another. Hopefully we'll start looking at each other more as humans and and not just as items that we need to compete with to try to get to the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that that like sort of like uh, almost zero sum game mentality that uh, that that you're describing where you're you're sort of, it's like a dog eat dog world or something like that does seem very fiat to me. And I, I, I honestly wonder if that's the cause of a lot of, I don't know, the strife that we see societally, uh, especially around matters of race and things like that. It, it does feel like, okay, well, if these people are getting some, then these other people, like my group isn't getting theirs. And it's a, it, it, it sort of assumes that there's a fixed supply of wealth or something like that. And that you need to compete for your share, which is extremely fiat, whereas Bitcoin actually produces new goods and services and wealth. No, I'm, I'm with you. And it produces better quality. Mm. Um, it was it was funny. I was talking to some young kids mm. and uh, they, they realized that. They figured that out. Like, as I was talking, I was like, what happens when you have money that is, like, so hard to get a hold of or it's so hard to create more of? What happens to the people who have that money? Are they going to just spend it on a T-shirt because it has an alligator on it? You know what I'm saying? Or because it has a horse. It's the same T-shirt, but all they did was change the animal on it. And all of a sudden, you're paying more money for it. And the guy's like, no. He's like, they're just going to buy <laughs> They're going to buy the thing because they need it. And they're going to buy the thing because it's quality. I said, exactly. I said, but we don't do that now because there's so much fiat money running around that we're, that we're paying $55, $60, $70 for a T-shirt that we that is the same exact t-shirt that we can get from like you know one of these discount stores for 20 bucks or 10 bucks right huh. i said it's crazy it's crazy that that's what the fiat world does that's really what it it, it lowers the quality of goods in the space right because hmm. now all of a sudden you're competing and you're competing at the price level which is funny to me because that fiat is is making your freaking uh money so worthless that you have to compete at price level because hmm. otherwise the people aren't going to have enough to buy the thing that you have. And that's why hard money in the future, I believe as we continue to move toward hard money, people will stop buying stuff. I've seen many Bitcoiners, like they always talk about selling their chairs. They've mm -hmm. sold the car, the chairs, their everything, because they realize those material goods are not worth it in a society where you, where you have an alternative to get out of with hard money like Bitcoin, you know?
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a much better savings vehicle, and these are all depreciating assets. And if your depreciating assets are, you know, doing better than the fiat money's depreciation, of course, you're going to go buy those things. But if, on the other hand, you have something like, you know, something that's that that can store value much better, you're going to go to those. Am I right? No, that's correct. That's yeah. That being able to store your time. And you know, especially for the people on the bottom rungs of the ship, mm. the people that got the lower the lower inner cabins that don't have the balconies, <laughs> to be able to be to be able to store that that time that you've put in is a very powerful tool in and of itself. Mm. And that's why I always say, yeah, it's cool to play around with stuff. I'm a technologist, right? I I enjoy trying to build new stuff, but at the end of the day, just having that alone is empowering to most people on the face of the planet. That 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 having that quality alone to be able to take all your hard work and put it into something that's not going to lose value over time, that is empowering and that is extremely powerful. And I think that alone is better than a hundred thousand percent of these <laughs> these baby coins out here. Mm. Well, all right. So let's uh, let's talk about community a little bit because obviously you you've uh, you've been working on your community for quite a while. You mentioned the twenty four thousand people on Facebook, and of course you got this like insanely large group on uh, on Clubhouse called Black Bitcoin Billionaires. Uh, can you tell me about like what led you to start these groups and what the response has been and how how you know how it's grown and stuff like that. Yeah, man, it always starts with education. Mm. Like every time I started, I was educating um, a group of individuals on Facebook. uh, And then I wind up people, people wanted more of it. So I started, I started my own page because the reason why I started my own page was a bit weird. One of the guys that was getting education for me went to my, I mean, my private page is private now. And he emailed me and said, hey, your wife and your daughter are extremely beautiful. So I cut that off. I was like, no, let me get a public page. I don't, need, I don't need anybody going into my, like, I don't, it's weird guys. I don't need that. So I started a public page and then I just started teaching. And I brought a lot of people on. I brought a lot of people that people would call baby corners right now. Mm-hmm. I brought them on. I brought you on, right? I brought mm-hmm. a lot of people on just to give people an understanding about the space. And then I would go every single day and talk about, um, like here's these baby coins and during the ICO time, it was real easy to shout them out and how they were just marketing and none of this stuff was going to work from a technological standpoint. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we started to build the group. And somebody, while they were watching me, they were like, man, we should start a group called the black coin group. Mm-hmm. And he said, so we can bring everybody together. And I was like, all right. And I told my business partner, Leif, I was like, Leif, go start it now. Let's get it going. And that's how that group grew. And then when clubhouse came around, one of the people from that group, they said, Lamar, um, this Clubhouse app, man, it feels like old Coindom. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man. He said, you'll love it. You'll do really well on it. And I was like, oh, okay, let me go check it out. And I checked it out. And immediately I, I saw an opportunity to reach, again, reach more people. Because at that time, Clubhouse was probably 60 to 70% black, like mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. It was an extremely, extremely African-American application. Um, that's how the app really blew up is because of black people, uh, black people made the app really dope. So it was a lot of black people there. So I started the group black Bitcoin billionaire hit up my dude. I mean, first I hit my dude Zay and said, Zay, we should start this group. And he just said, yeah. And I said, I got it. So we did it. We started the group Bitcoin Zay, shout out to Bitcoin Zay, everybody who knows him. Uh, we started the group and it just grew really rapidly. And right now we're like the biggest group outside of the Bitcoin group, which of course 
it's big because of name, but we're the biggest group around Bitcoin on the entire platform. And that's just a testament to our wonderful mods and everybody who continues to educate. It's always been around education and it's always, it always comes from a place of compassion. It comes from a place of empathy. Um, we don't, we don't tend to be too toxic, so to speak. Uh, we we kind of, we, we kind of understand that people come in certain ways and we have to have a certain amount of empathy to make sure that they understand why we're saying that that coin is crap right mm -hmm. most of the time you don't get that right and people are like just have fun staying poor i'm telling you bitcoin's the best whatever but the way we do it we make sure we break down why that coin is crap why it's not going to work and i think that's a, be a far better uh way for us to reach our community because we know that we are over overwhelmingly targeted with scams. We're overwhelmingly targeted with all times of Ponzi schemes and all of these other things, just because in the past we haven't had access to these, uh, to these types of investments. So now people, when they come, they come with these crazy investments. And so we educate against those scams, against those things and try to get as many people as possible to understand the value of what Bitcoin is. Yeah, and, and that's really interesting to me, like the, the entire clubhouse phenomenon. By the way, I have to thank you, Lamar, because you're, you're, you're the one that got me an invite to the thing like back in January, I think it was. And you're bugging me for like a couple of weeks and saying, hey, you really need to come on this thing. And, you know, I have this group and I want you to speak on there. I'm like, OK, well, uh, uh, it's not on Android. Like, don't you have an iPhone? I'm like, OK, well, I, I have one, but there's no phone number in it. And you're like go get a Google phone number, Google voice phone number and use that as your, and I, I managed to get on Clubhouse that way. But I, I, I still remember that first experience. It was just sort of like, wow, this, this is something powerful here because you could connect with people with your voice. And of course, that's, it's, it's very different than Twitter or anything like that. And I, I've noticed a real difference in uh, you know, how people take to it if they're spoken to instead of like type that. Um, like what, what are your thoughts around that being sort of like a driver of a lot of the adoption that's happened over Clubhouse? Oh, my gosh, it's been crazy. Um, shout out to all of our supporters. Shout out to Cash App, Casa, Fold, Exodus, because what happened when we started to be on Clubhouse um, of course, we do what we always have done. I've I've always tended to do this was to give away some Bitcoin. And because it was that kind of environment, other people started giving away Bitcoin. Um, and so it, we wind up getting this huge group of individuals giving away Bitcoin. Shout out to Andreas, too, man. Andreas gave a, a huge amount of Bitcoin uh, when he first came on. And I don't think he even comes on Clubhouse anymore. Mm. But it was like. A lot of people were coming through the room and recognizing that we were onboarding brand new people like we used to do back in the day. I, I gave that's, that's how I onboarded most of my friends and family was like, here, take some Bitcoin. Here's a wallet, you know, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. we're doing that again. And what happened is um, the, the brands, they were sitting in the audience and they were like, man, I love what you're doing. Can we support? And so that allowed us to do some crazy stuff, Jimmy. And we would not have been able to do it if we didn't have Clubhouse. So last what I can't even say last year, it was this year. Um, <laughs> in, in February, we were able to give away um, Bitcoin to almost 8,000 people. I think it was about almost 8,000 people. And before that, before we even had any supporters, we had already given away over $5,000 worth of Bitcoin to new people, right? And then once we got to February and we wound up getting, you know, uh, bigger sponsors, we probably 
have given away uh, Bitcoin to over 8,000 people through February and all the way probably to the end of March. And then the rest of the year, we've been able to continue to do that. And then you fast forward to what we were able to do what last month, which was we gave away $20,000 of Bitcoin to a new tech startup. So we even have gotten to the point where we've been able to support businesses. And that would not have been unless we had some a platform like Clubhouse to really get the voice out there and to speak. Also, I want to give a shout, huge shout out to Plebnet. Um, Plebnet has done so much for adding nodes to the Lightning Network, and which, which in turn winds up adding nodes to the Bitcoin Network because many of them are running full nodes like through Umbral with the Lightning Network connected. And I think that's because of Clubhouse. Like they were able to formalize, get the group together, keep pushing, and create this network of plebs that are actually helping to push the entire Lightning Network and get us to a point where everybody's starting to recognize it now. Right? Mm -hmm. I think if it were not, again, if it were not for Clubhouse, that would not have happened. So I think, and it, and it ain't even really just Clubhouse because now you see Twitter Spaces is starting to pick up. Mm -hmm. I was one of the first people on Twitter Spaces and it sucked when I first got here. Mm -hmm. Like it was really bad. It would crash constantly because it was only like three or, three or 300 of us or something like that were able to do the beta and it would just crash and crash and then it got better and better and better. Now you can see we're having those same types of educational forums where I don't think people understand how powerful it is. You're looking, you're sitting on stage and let's say like last night, I think uh, Corey had a room. Mm. 1,200 people were in the room. Like, it was funny. The other day, I did a room and Preston came through. 12, 1,300 people in a room. <laughs> now, I don't think people understand what 12 or 1,300 people look like in real life. Like, mm. if that's at a conference, that's a pretty nice sized room at a conference. And we're getting it in our living room, some of us in our underwear, <laughs> mm. on a nightly basis, being able to talk about Bitcoin in that form. Like if it were not for these types of applications, like I don't think as many people would get this type of message out. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy with these voice applications. Seriously, I think it's a it's a huge step forward for especially for uh, people understanding and learning about Bitcoin and getting orange peeled. Yeah, and uh, and you're you're absolutely right. What what what's happening is that we're able to bring the conference experience to people's living rooms, essentially, because you know this is what you do at a conference. You talk to a lot of people and you ask questions and you get them answered and you hear people speak and stuff like that. Um, and and you know obviously this has like hugely diversified the like sort of the Bitcoin user base. Uh, I feel like not not only just like more Black and Latino people, but uh, you know a lot more women. Like, I, like I, I don't know if you've noticed, Nomar, but there, there seems to be a lot more women in this space than, say, you know, when we first met back in 2014, when there were like three girls there, right? Like, it, that, that was it. And it, it, now it's like uh, a significant percentage. What, what, what are your thoughts on that <laughs> and like the effect of Clubhouse on that? Man, man, Jimmy, you know, man, my thing has always been, if you want something to go viral, you're going to have to holler at Black Twitter and women. Black Twitter... <laughs> Black Twitter makes it like the fact that we even have a label called Black Twitter. And I think that that's what Bitcoin misses sometimes, because even when you have the standard Bitcoin Twitter and all the memes, it still turns into a sort of a circle jerk. You got all of these dudes, all of these hard ankle dudes like 
talking to each other and going in circles. And even when you have like maybe one woman that jumps into that kind of group, you don't really have a lot of women. But on Clubhouse, women are very prominent, right? You have uh, Miss Charlene, Miss Naja, Dr. Shaler, like Granny Crypto. Like even think about that. We even have uh, women who are boomers that are influential on Clubhouse because they have a voice and can share their expertise. Like it's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, that Clubhouse and, and Twitter Spaces and all of these other voice applications have been able to do because I think it gives a voice to those people who normally would not be on stages at a conference. That's That part is, is amazing. Every morning we do a room called Wake Up uh, with Bitcoin. Um, I think it's Wake Up with Bitcoin. I, I got to get it right myself. But Dr. Shaler runs that room and thinks she's running a room. How many Bitcoin stages do we see women being the keynote? Mm. Even, even now, even to this point, right? How many Bitcoin stages have we put women in positions to be able to educate? How many Bitcoin stages? And not only just women, think about it, a black woman. So it's like like Clubhouse is evening the playing field because the cool thing about that stage, if you don't know what the heck you're talking about, everybody's going to be able to tell and you probably won't get back up on the stage very much, you know? Mm. Well, what's interesting is that we're, we're able to market Bitcoin to all of these sort of people that weren't marketed to before, all right? Like uh, if you're a black woman, you're gonna know what it's like to be a black woman. So you can speak to them a little more effectively and so on. Um, and for so long, it was only really ever marketed to tech nerds like us. And it's it's uh, kind of taking a turn that's, uh, that's I think a little more mainstream, would, would you say? Oh yes, definitely more mainstream. I mean, Jimmy, you know how funny it is? We sat in the room in Black Bitcoin Billionaire and watched the block turnover on mem uh, uh, what is it mempool.space when it went to Taproot. <laughs> like mm. we like it was like I, I was laughing the entire time I said I can never imagine a time that we would have a room of predominantly black people sitting around waiting for something as nerdy as the uh blocks the the new block of Taproot, right? With Taproot mm. actually activating I was like, I don't think it would be like, and it was so cool because everybody was fun, had fun with it. We, we laughed, we had a little party. Like it was just, I mean, that, like you said, Jimmy is just providing access again to this. And I think as long as we continue to keep understanding that we have to provide that kind of access, I think we also have to be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. I think some people talk about it and they want it. Like they, they're like, yeah, diversity is a good thing, but they don't realize like, if you're not intentional about it, people will just be forgotten. You know what I'm saying? Like you will still you will still only work in the in the groups that you are in. It's almost like having like a Papa John pizza or something. No shout out to Papa John. I just use that because that's what we had in my high school. But having like Papa John's pizzas in one section of the cafeteria. We know the high school cafeterias are extremely segregated, right? They it's like the jocks sit here, the emo guys <laughs> sit here, right? And if and if the emo guys have the pizza. And they're not willing to go and share it. You know what I mean? It's not going to really benefit everybody else in the cafeteria. You need one emo guy that says, you know what? I'm going to take the, be intentional and take a box of pizza over to the jocks. And then one jock says, I'm going to take a box of pizza over to the nerds. And I'm, you see what I'm saying? Like, mm. that's that's exactly what it feels like when you when you are intentional about it. And then what happens is, is that once you get that kind of sharing going on and that kind of current going on, everybody eats. Nobody's left feeling like, man, I didn't get a chance to get a pizza to pizza, you know? And I think that's that's what we have to do in Bitcoin is being completely intentional about it and not and not even apologize. Like, don't even apologize for being intentional about it. People do it to me all the time. Why just black? Mm 
And I'm like, you, guess what? You are very welcome. And that's when I say that, it's so funny because they still don't come to the room. So I know it wasn't about me saying black. But I'm, I'm like, you can come to the room. You are very welcome. Just realize that when you come in the room, that it's run by black people. And if you have a problem with that, that's on you because we're welcoming you with open arms. We don't have a problem at all. We have white moderators. We have um, people from other countries. We have all types of stuff in our in our group um, that that. We are completely diversified, but it says black Bitcoin billionaire. And that shouldn't be something that deters you because we as people, everybody just has to learn how to embrace differences and stop trying to make everybody be exactly the same. Well, I, I, I can't believe you're apologizing. You're having you're you're even having to defend yourself. That. Like who thought in 2014 that we'd be talking about a black Bitcoin group that's too exclusive, right? Like that's like, OK, <laughs> like, what, like how, how, how did we come to this sort of like timeline? What 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 the hell happened? Um, so uh, let's uh, let, let's talk about, um, you know, sort of like what you're able to do with uh, this sort of like, um, you know, group that you have. Like what 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 are you hoping that we're able to do as a result of having a lot of these people that you brought into this, uh, th this community, like what, what sort of social change do you want to see as a result? Again, I think it's more for me to um, just provide the information because I don't ever tell, I tell everyone, don't follow me. I don't want to be your leader. You shouldn't have heroes except like real talk, like you shouldn't be following. If you're a grown person, you shouldn't just be blindly following anyone. You need to verify. Don't trust, verify everything. But I want to be able to give you that information so that you can have access and be able to benefit from this change that's, that we're having in the world from loose, nasty, dirty fiat to hard Bitcoin, right? Hard, solid truth Bitcoin. And I think that that social change that's going to happen is going to happen because now, you know, it, even the little bit that we can possibly do, we only have one hundred thirty four thousand people, one hundred thirty five, I think now. And um, only about 40 percent of those are probably African-American, 40 to 50 percent, maybe the rest mm -hmm. of them are all types of people. So it's still not that many people in the grand scheme of things. But that small group of individuals that we've been able to plant those seeds, hopefully they grow into the trees that allow us to plant generational wealth seeds throughout the rest of time. Right. And, mm -hmm. and getting those people in early provides them something that cannot be confiscated, because in this country, Jimmy, everything that black people have tried to put their money into has been confiscated from farmland, which if you look at what's going on with the USDA, they're trying to figure out how to give some of the farmland back. Millions of acres have been taken from black people. If you look at the enterprises that happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they basically bombed Tulsa, Oklahoma and many other uh, cities, but Tulsa is probably, probably the most recognizable because it's on a bunch of HBO movies and shows right now. Tulsa, Oklahoma, what happened in Philadelphia? Like whenever black people had an opportunity to get gain as assets in this country, they've been snatched away. And even even to the point where even now we still this is 2021 and we still have discrepancies when it comes to lending. We still have discrepancies when it comes to getting appraisals on your home. The, that all of that stuff has got to change. But before it changes, Right. And we know it's going to take a while because it's taking this long. We might as well grasp on to something that cannot be confiscated, that is hard money, that actually saves your time and something that can actually change the generation, the generations that are to come 
just because you made a decision at this point to go ahead and grab a hold of it and hold on to it and, and not let it go and to continue to accumulate it over time. That's going to change a lot of lives, not just for black people, but for anybody who's willing to accept the fact that Bitcoin is that savings tool, period. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what you're pointing to is sort of like the marginalized people that, that are able to sort of like get one up on the man. I don't know. Is, is that an accurate description of what's happening? Yeah, just get a just get a one up period. Like, you don't. The thing I always say is, is that because it's an alternative, you don't even have to worry about the man because the mm. quote unquote man ain't even in Bitcoin. <laughs> the quote yeah, unquote, they're, 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 the man is always the trusted third party or something like that. Right. Yeah. The man. Yeah. The man is the exactly the man is the bank. The man is the Fed. The man loves his fiat because he can just keep printing it all day. Like the man's not in Bitcoin. And so what you can do is say, you know what? I'm tired of playing your game, little man. I'm going to go ahead over here and play a different game and play with a different set of rules that I actually can go verify for myself. Indeed, uh, you, you, you definitely can. So, um, all right. So we, we talked about diversity. We talked about black Bitcoin billionaires. We talked about sort of like the opportunities that are available generational wealth possibly that, that that we're setting up for a lot of people. Um, how do you think this changes um, sort of like relationships between people as, as this sort of like comes up? Because I, I suspect that, the you know, like we, we've been talking about how this is a generational sort of transfer of wealth. And if it really is the case that you get um, more minorities and marginal, formerly marginalized people that are sort of like inheriting a lot of this wealth or being being sort of ahead of the curve in this regard, um, they're going to have a lot of influence and power. What 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 do you think that does? Uh, like how how does that change everything? And what 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 does that change over look like? Yeah, I just think you'll see investments in different places. I think um, I think that those people who have it will be, begin to make those investments into places that maybe not have been invested in before, because again, it will be intentional. Um, but I also think that uh, it's, it's still, it's still going to be a lot of the same. And even from a standpoint of um, I, the re and the reason why I say this, Jimmy is because even now I have Bitcoin and I, it's the first time I've ever said that on tape because I don't have Bitcoin. I, matter of fact, I have zero Bitcoin, but what I want to <laughs> say is, is there, there are people who look like me who have Bitcoin, right? And then there are other people who are who don't look like me who, who have Bitcoin, and yet some of them still lean on racist tropes, right? Mm. And we both we both are in the same gang, so to speak. We're in the same mm. gang, and yet you still lean on racist tropes. You still put up watermelons and chicken and all of this other stuff, to, which I don't care about because I love watermelon and I love chicken, so... Shout out to whoever's making good chicken. Um, but they they still put this they still put this stuff up, right? In, in a in a in a fashion to try to get you angry or whatever. And I'm like, we both are in the same gang, but you're still using this stuff. And that's why I, that's why I went back to it's the heart of men, bro. Like mm -hmm. that's why that's why I went back to that. Like until the heart of men changes, like stuff's still going to be the same. And until people start seeing value in others that don't look like them, stuff's still going to be the same. So for me, it's like Bitcoin fixes some stuff, but it don't fix everything. And in the future, you're right. I think there'll be people who didn't have opportunity that'll have, and I, I mean, we've seen it, right? We've seen this stuff happening already. 
that that have opportunity and have the position to help other people in their lives and those kind of things. I think that definitely will change. And that's why I'm trying to make sure that as many of the people who are not, like I said, on the top floors of the Titanic, as many of them as possible get into the lifeboats. And I'm going to yell at the top floor too. It's just that, of course, they're not going to listen. <laughs> they they too busy. They too busy listening to the band, right? It's like, get off. And it's like, no. So everybody else, they get on the lifeboats and those people on the top floor just have to get on later. And by that time, you know, those people who are on definitely will be able to have a better life in the future, I believe. Mm. Well, so how do you change the hearts of that? Because you, you, you talked about a little bit, uh, you know, like how you uh, to, to really change, I, I guess, relationships between people, you really need people's hearts to change. Um, and, you know, you, you didn't uh, note that Bitcoin doesn't fix stuff like that because it's on the inside. So getting a little philosophical here, maybe even a little spiritual, what, what do you do to change people's well, hearts? Well, listen, man, as much as much negativity as planted in the world, I just choose to try to plant seeds of positivity. And on, and on Twitter, many people will probably be like, Lamar, now come on, you going back at some of these guys. And that's the truth. Because if they can come with a lot of vitriol, if people can come with a lot of spite and all of that stuff, then I can hit them back. But if you notice how I hit them back, I don't hit them back below the belt, right? I try to make sure that I keep it in a certain position. But I also want to also make sure that my life is discernment. Right. I'm a Christian. Like I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for my sins. Right. And everybody don't need to believe that. But I believe that's the best way for you to understand God. Right. Like to, to be have a relationship with Christ. That's just me. But I also just believe that if we all learn how to have more empathy, share love with, with each other, go from that side. I think that seed of love that you plant will grow into an orchard of trees. That because within every seed is another seed, right? When you plant a seed, matter of fact, within every seed, there's multiple seeds. Because when you plant a seed, that one apple seed creates tons of apples, right? And those apples create tons of seed that create tons of apples. And so my whole thing is, is like the only way that I feel like I can change the hearts of men is to actually keep sharing and spreading love. And, you know, I have a good time with the people on here. I like roasting. That's one of the things I do. But at the core of me, like if any of those people who I'm roasting ever needed something, just holler at me, man. I got you. You know what I'm saying? It, within my means. I mean, let me make let me make sure I make that disclaimer. Within within what I'm able to do. But that's the thing. Like I I really believe that we all, if we all decide and are intentional, let's make that. Let's let me use that word again. If we're intentional about planting seeds of love, but planting seeds of understanding, planting seeds of empathy, joy, kindness, like those kind of things. I think those will grow into amazing trees. And and the funny thing is, is that many times, like those seeds, you might think you're planting it on a uh, ground that is not very fertile. And then you'll turn around and realize you just changed somebody's whole day just by being nice to them because mm -hmm. they, they got crap all the rest of the day. And you, the one, you, the one bright light that came through and let them remember that somebody's looking out for them, that somebody cares that, that alone is how you start changing the hearts of men, straight up, just being the salt of the earth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, some some interesting thoughts here. All right. So well, that wraps it up for this episode of Bitcoin Fixes This. Lamar Wilson can be found at at BigMar on Twitter and on Clubhouse. Until next time, fiat the Linda Est.